what did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Hello, back, Slash and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Greg Pep is on the board. SP Futures up five and a quarter. NASDAQ Futures up 62. Dow Futures down 13. So we're creeping up here. The CPI number. Why do I get this horrible feeling, Greg, that an awful lot of people know this number and we don't? As we've crept up Par for, for the course. I think it's getting worse. I don't know why it's getting worse. Maybe I'm just getting older and grumpier. I don't know. I just whatever. Do we have I a bet on the I bet on the latter. Yeah, well I just I uh I'm kinda over it, <laughs> Lou, that all the people that, that seem to have all the they're supposedly geniuses and have all this money seem to have have to have this edge. If they're that good, what do they need an edge for? If you're, if you're that good you really don't you don't sneak a peek at somebody's card and bridge, do you? You'll have to ask Bill Belichick about that um, after he retires. Well, you know? I know Belichick, a, Belichick. I think is a is a is a pretty good football coach, but I also think that it's you know very clear that they were cheating for at least three of their Super Bowls, and uh, you know those those probably those probably ought to be revoked. Um, there is a, a a huge group of people. Some of them we. We pretty much have hero worship on that feel if you don't if you're not cheating you're not trying well and I think there's a lot of people like that. Oh no, I mean I I'm all in favor. I'm all in favor of pushing you know pushing the edge of the envelope with respect to what what the rules allow and giving an interpretation of of what the rules allow. Um, that that's not what happened with with Belichick and that's that that's not what happens with a lot of our, you know, elite, so-called elites and, uh, and insiders. Um, one of the, I, I read somewhere recently that one of the more interesting aspects of the, the Claudine Gay situation is that it lifted the curtain a little bit, uh, behind, so that you could see behind the, you know, the obvious decision-making biases that were in place when she was, when she was selected. And you you also see the um, by the reaction you, you, you see the that the the people in charge are really just as dumb as you know as the rest of us by virtue of the of the 
idiotic justifications that they were trying to establish for her uh, for her selection and for her retention and so uh, it, it's very much it, it's very much in a, and I'm gonna, this is a story I wanted to talk about anyway very much like what's happening in Atlanta right now with this crazy I say crazy it's stupid situation involving the uh, the prosecutor that's uh, you know brought the charges and is leading the charge against uh, Donald Trump in the uh, in the state law RICO case down there and and why on earth Aaron Adam, are you familiar with that? Have you followed uh, yeah, that? I was reading some of it yesterday, but I have not really followed it. But okay. Before you go there, though, I, I, uh, when you talk about when, when small groups like pick these people and the biases involved, I, I, I know that you know this, but the, the biases involved 25 years ago in picking somebody for any of these jobs were just as onerous. They just picked white males. No. Sure, I, I, I absolutely. I just, I, I'm, I'm sorry, wrong. You're wrong, and I, I, I can tell you, you're wrong because I sat in and I have been privy because I'm an employment lawyer. I have been privy to all kinds of decision making processes that that cover executives and senior people, and I've reviewed them and I've reconstructed them. And I will tell you, 25 years ago, race. Race, if any, if anything, race was as twenty-five years ago. Race was an advantage. It wasn't as noted, notable as it is as, as it is now. But being being African American and and having a, a certain talent level was a was a guarantee. I'm not, I'm not, where I'm going for selection. With, what I'm saying, Lou, is if I'm not talking about jobs in the sense of you know somebody getting a VP job. I'm talking about the board level that I observed when I was at the CBOE when you uh, brought I'm just. When you brought somebody just, in, they were, they were another guy like you who was gonna, who sat on a couple of boards and maybe had been a CEO that was gonna vote for every raise. Everybody oh. looked alike. Everybody, I mean, the, the chances no, of an outlier. The chance of an outlier. I absolutely agree with you that everybody thought alike. Because I'm saying that's they, the way. That's the way these decisions always get made. If, and if that's you could quite find frankly, the problem with the problem with Claudine Gay selection well, if, is that she thought just like the people who were making the decisions. But if if you could find if there was a black or Asian person that happened to be somehow got in that group and were were part of this, it's almost like the the club of a hundred baseball managers. But I mean, the chances of an outside board member. Coming in from someplace where it wasn't wasn't the CEO's buddy wasn't on a board with him somewhere else, you weren't on another board with them. The chances of breaking into that club were like zero. You and I, I couldn't couldn't have done it. I will dis I will disagree with you to the extent that the boards looked for twenty five years ago. Boards and employers were looking for quote racial diversity unquote. Well, the CBOE board were, was but not. They, it was but not. they were much more. They were much more focused on merit than they are now. They were. They, they, they were, were focused willing, on. They that, were willing that, to disregard. They were not willing to disregard the merit issue. I, I, I'm just telling you, when it came to the exchanges, and I knew all these guys. I, I, I didn't know what the board of Boeing was like. I was never there, but I knew the boards of like every one of the exchanges. Every one of them was exact same. Some guys from the member firms. There might have been. We had one guy from, uh, from Egypt. By the way, he was a terrific guy. He was an Olympic swimmer from Egypt, of all places. Uh, 
I love I love the guy. He was terrific. I, I, we'd sit and talk. If every, I mean, I well, was my favorite guy. But but yeah, if somebody would have happened to have been black, they wouldn't have tossed him. But you weren't going to get anybody that that came up a member firm that that was an outlier. I can name you the guys. Well, the guy was the one of the guys was the uh, the goofball he, Silas Keen, who was the head of uh, Pullman when he got pulled taken over, and then he became the he was a blue blood from Philadelphia that was at uh, Carnegie Mellon Bank. Got the Pullman. Pullman got taken yeah, over. Then I, he ended up. As I don't a, have. I don't have any. I don't have any problem with the fact that they were selecting people who thought like them because the, these boards still are. Yeah. Oh, but, absolutely, absolutely. But that doesn't. But but I will. I will categorically tell you that there was absolutely. You know, they looked for. They looked for people who thought like them, and it really didn't matter. And and I saw this in hiring across the board. It didn't matter what color or gender you were except to the fact that if, if you were female or you were a minority and you were part of this group and you thought like this group, you were in high demand. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, look what's going on in Chicago. If, if you're not if you're not black, if you're not female, you don't get a job. For, I mean, we're talking, and I, I you know me, well, I'm as fair as, as, they all, as all get out. I don't think that if you, if you're a white guy there and 25% of the, the population is black and you don't want any black people, you're going to exclude some very talented people. Well, if you flip it the other way around and you exclude seventy percent of people, you're really excluding some pretty well, talented well, people. And, and would you my, make? My, and this this is the this is the point I was going to with this this Lanny Willis situation. And I don't. I mean, she's she's in an elected position, so you get what you you get what you get. Uh, did you say it, unelected or elected? I, that was pardon I, me. She unelected or elected? You said no. She's elected. Okay. So so this is a. You know, this is I, I. You get you get what you you get what you deserve in terms of in terms of the voting, but the what you're seeing be, again behind the curtain with this with this situation in Atlanta, and I, I want to just sort of delineate this for you because it has initially it started out as just an incredibly stupid move by this prosecutor and the people around her. It it has now turned into something that is much more serious, in my opinion, and and that that came up yesterday. Um, so she she is, as I said, she's the one that that put this terrible and I think stupid RICO case together against Donald Trump, trying to rig, trying to rig a ballots or rig an election and and uh, or affect the results in in Georgia. Is, is that even a is that still a real? I thought that law got amended somehow. Um, well, I, I don't I don't know about this particular statute I don't think so um, but but she's anyway she she brings this prosecution it is it is sloppy it's it's poorly done she she brings in I think 17 or 18 defendants at one time and uh, and and just tries to put it on a fast-track schedule which is which is ridiculous anyway it comes out now as a result of the divorce filings apparently against one of the, the lead prosecutor that the guy that Willis selects as a lead prosecutor for a very complex felony RICO case involving a conspiracy to, as I said, affect the, the election results in Georgia. It turns out this guy has never done a felony case. He's an attorney. He's never done a felony case. It also turns out that Willis has paid him something like twice the amount of money you would normally pay so so he he's been brought act brought in as a contract hire really to prosecute yeah. to prosecute this case and and he's not part of the normal da staff it turns out that willis's office has paid him something like twice the going rate for for counsel 
in a situation like this, he's been paid. I think he's been paid either either I've seen two numbers six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which for a year's work on a single case is like significant, or or close to a million in total billings. So, so that's that's another red flag. The third red flag is that these two have been apparently conducting, and, and again, this is this has been alleged in court filings. All right. So the attorneys that filed these court filings even though they don't attach any documents because of the, this divorce case of, of this appointed prosecutor has been sealed. Um, they allege that this a special prosecutor and Willis, the DA, are having a torrid affair and have been taking vacations together using the money Lou, that you, she you, has you, been paying him. you got to pay for the vacation. Lou, what part of this don't you get? Yeah, that's right. So, so this, these martinis on these boats are getting more expensive. All that's the time. right. So, so this this would act almost immediately in a normal case to disqualify the entire prosecution team. Not, 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 not the way these people think. Well, not no, the way no, no. Think. Just, wait a minute. It gets better. So, so your my the immediate reaction I had when I heard about the filing was this is an incredibly high profile case. Everybody is looking at it. Everybody's digging in deep. Nobody in their right mind would conduct an extra, you know, an extramarital affair because the the special appointed prosecutor is married. Nobody in their right mind would be conducting an affair with their boss, the person who appointed them, at the same time this case is going on. You're you're it's just a, it's a disaster. Well, it was a disaster because apparently the the guy's wife, uh, either either she filed, I'm not sure who filed for divorce, but in any event, apparently the the prosecutor's wife, soon to be ex-wife, called and tipped off one of the defense attorneys to you, what was you going just, on. You just can't trust these aggrieved and, wives. And <laughs> that's, that's right, <laughs> especially when they've got like real information. Yeah. Um, she so she she does this and and so this gets filed now it gets better apparently they have um timesheets from the special prosecutors appointed prosecutors billings that show you know in a time record a billing record shows what you've been doing you you write down you write down what you did and, and then you tell the client how much time it took and, and your bill is determined off that rate. This guy this guy not only billed 24 hours in a day, meaning he worked a 24-hour nonstop period in a day, which which is an immediate red flag. So, so you know, that, that sets so off... So it wasn't an assistant, it was him. It was him. It was him. Okay. Yeah, it's on his bill. Um yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like three how people. Can he, how can he be doing that if he's spending three hours in the bedroom with his babe? Well, well, no. Wait a minute. It gets even better. Guess, guess what's on another one of his billing sheets? He had he billed for travel to and from Washington D.C. and didn't go. And he also and he also billed for an eight-hour meeting at the White House. Now. The Biden people have sworn up and down that they are not involved in any of these other cases. The only cases that they they have any say in or or have any um, 
role in are the are the Department of Justice cases. They appoint the special prosecutor and they let it go. And they have sworn that they have nothing to do with this. It's all hands off. Was, was the guy was the guy on the visitor log? I don't know. We don't, we don't know. We just this just came out. The the the, the and, I, and you, chief, it wouldn't surprise me if he's not. But yeah. but he has billed for eight hour and eight hour meeting. By the way, is, is a high price? Is a high hold, price? Hold on. Let me finish. Right. Let me finish the sentence. He has it's take take another take another hit of that um, of, of, of the you know ADHD medicine because uh, I I'm taking mine right now. He had. He bills eight hours for this. The White House swears that they had nothing to do with this, and this is well in advance. Of, this is in advance of these charges being filed. So now you have a billing record. Again, this is so stupid; it's unbelievable. You have a billing record from this attorney billing a meeting with White House officials who have sworn up and down that they are not weaponizing state attorney generals to go after a political opponent. Maybe he didn't. Even, maybe they didn't even meet with him. This might be. This might be. Impe- well, maybe they didn't. But why would he put this down? Because he's put everything why, else down. It's wrong. Well, well, well. What, you know, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm willing actually to take to take his word for this. Okay. He's so so out of all the stuff the guy's lying else. about, because it's against Biden, you're going to take his word for that one. No, I'm taking his word for this one because when those billing records get reviewed by by the state and they look at it. That somebody would say we never went to Washington and met at the White House, and so and so that's an easy that's an easy strike, and and so I, I'm I'm certainly willing to think that this is what's going on. Let me put it this way: Do you not think that this stuff was coordinated? Because I do. I and 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 here is here is. On one, on the one some, hand, we some, accuse everybody of being so incompetent. The next minute, we accuse them of every, every of ticking every T and uh, dotting every I. Uh, oh no 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 no! This is just this is another marker of incompetence to hold a meeting at the White House to coordinate litigation against your political opponent and direct state attorney generals to to engage in in litigation against your political opponent to to knock him off a ballot. That's Dumb. By the way, is the guy who dumb, it's dumb to write it down. I, I don't know how you pick a, a total mess of lies out of somebody and pick one of them out and say that one has to be true. Oh well, because you look at the you look at the records. I'd, I'd like this to. Is, I'd like you, to, Well, the, this is why is this any no, why is chief, this any different chief, than the twenty four hour a day record? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what he put down for the twenty four hour a day. I just saw the twenty four hour a day entry. By the way, is it is a thousand hour an, an hour attorney like yourself? How much is a kicker in the White House? Is that fifty percent more? You got to wait in line. I, I I don't I don't know, but but this is I'm not saying this is definitive. I'm just saying it's there, and and this is in the record, and and so now, and th- th- there's going to be there's going to be some real tough questions. Where, so where now, is where is where is the the part where we have two complete sleaze balls? Going to be back on the ballot for the second time. Oh, don't, in this country. don't even don't even get me started on this. I I, I throw my hands up, but but my point is what, 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 what is let me, just, let me just let me yeah. just raise this. This, if it's true, this is an impeachable offense, and this is clear. I think clearly impeachable, and and they can go they can run after the Hunter Biden stuff, which I think is also impeachable because the guy was vice president when he was rigging uh, uh, Ukraine's. Prosecutor, uh, prosecutorial inquiries, but but this would be impeachable, and, 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 and I, 
everything these two guys have done for the last eight years has been impeachable. No, it hasn't. Name me one thing that Trump did that was impeachable. Um, I could do about fifty, but we don't name one. I mean, I mean, you could say January six, but I've just pointed out that they tried to impeach him on that, and it fell apart. Well, he only had a week to go. It, it, that didn't matter to the that didn't matter to the Democrats. It fell I, apart. He wasn't. He wasn't. And and that happened. That happened after he left office. His, his name me one what, thing. Trump his conduct did was impeachable. His conduct. I don't care. If it was you know? I honestly don't care if it was impeachable. His conduct was reprehensible. The man has no business being a dog catcher, much less being president. I feel the uh, same way about Hillary. I feel the same way not, about this guy. You're not going to get. You're not going to get. You're not going to get any arguments. From, not, from well, me how, about, but how do these people get there? Suitability for the president. But, for the but how do the question is, Lou? How are they there? And how does well? Well, Trump. Trump is there. Trump is there because the Democrats. The Democrats created him in large part in 2016. They they are they rigged they rigged the primaries by encouraging their voters to cross over and vote for Trump because he, they thought Trump would be the easiest well, candidate come on, to beat. Come on. He's there because the Republicans were foolish enough to put eight people on a stage with him in these big debates, and all he did was insult the hell out of people, and people thought it was great TV. And you know the guy's Tom, hands were Tom. so small. I mean, every 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 guy there was was should not have been a, had to debate somebody like that on a national stage. All he did was insult the Tom, st- out of everybody, and he, and he and he knocked him off one at a time. And every every Tom, thought he'd be great, and he and he wasn't. Donald Trump, Donald Trump is there in part because of the the Democratic Democrat voters crossing over in the primaries. That's one reason. It may not be the main, but I think the main reason is that Donald Trump. Tapped into a a anger and frustration that you yourself have expressed many times. Oh sure, he tapped into that, and he was right to. Okay, and, 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 I, and, I, and a significant number of people in the country identified and said, "You know what? Nobody, that nobody is nobody that guy's authentic." Okay, no, nobody tapped into the the Trump phenomenon or a lot of what goes on in this country more than Michael Moore. It doesn't mean I want him as president. No, but uh, that's but that, that's how that's how a representative democracy works. Okay, you get a guy, you get a guy who can express, and that's why populism is. I, you know, I'm I'm generally in favor of populism because it it taps into or or draws on the will of of a significant number, in many cases, a majority of of the American people. The, the primaries do not anywhere come close. To bring somebody into the, the majority of this country, and you're left with two people that you wonder how the hell they got there. He, and he, the, only, the difference between an election here and Russia is one person. I, I, I disagree. But in any event, you personally, guys, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that there aren't going to be any debates. I thought those um, would have been great. I would, I would, great, I would. Great, great as what? Hey, I would actually, I would actually, Greg, I would actually sign up on pay per view to watch Joe Biden propped up on methamphetamines and whatever they're giving him try to go at it. A for lot of people an think hour. Trump was on, uh, what was it? Whatever the diet drug was. So he was all jumped up too. I mean, I'm all for it. Steroids and baseball. But, but this meth is, and yeah, all, so what, what, when are we going to get, and I'm not going to accuse Greg of being a younger person. When are we going to get the fact... We're never going to get good presidents, so... Well, okay, well, when are we going to get the fact that this is, this is not show? This is, this is real? 
It's the USA. It's okay, but, but one of these of days there might not be a USA. Here's my here's my view of Tom, this. We Tom, have, you have watched, you have watched in the, uh, through COVID, we have watched to quote Neil Gorsuch, who I happen to like, uh, and and appeared before. Uh, you have watched the greatest erosion of civil liberties you know, from from 1920 or from 2021 forward in in American history. They, the non-wartime erosion of I'm going to say they absolutely history. started with the Patriot Act and they just keep continuing. Um, I, I, I don't care. It, the, 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 this the, is a great, continu- Patriot, the Patriot Act was nothing compared to what happened but it, 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 starting in it, 2021. It, it, it's, it's, it's a continual uh, movement. It, it's, like, it's like the inflation numbers. It's like the size it, it, of these it, companies. It uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying we have seen stuff that the Patriot Act could only have dreamed of. What, is, what, is, what, is, it, what does Kevin always say? Things happen gradually, then all of a sudden. Well, I, I don't, I don't know about that. I just know that, I just know that when we, when we watched, what we watched in 2020 with, with the way that election was conducted, what we watched with that, what we watched in since then, with the suppression of, of speech, the establishment of government agencies to shut down dissent, the, the government-sponsored and government-directed attacks on, on scientists and officials. Um, all of it uh, that, that's occurred in the last two years, the American people should be up in arms. And I, they are not. I, I, as you know, so I'm a, a populace, I'm a, I'm... A populace that, that tolerates that is going to vote for morons. Um, I, let's, let's go to break here because I agree with you uh, just about everything, but something in the system has to change to where in Illinois required debates well whatever but i'm saying when you get when you get to the two buffoons it doesn't matter it's how it's how you get to the buffoons it's people put a bunch of money up you win in iowa you win in new hampshire and the thing's over here's what no here's what here's what i find so interesting and greg greg is absolutely right on this wait a minute yeah greg is absolutely right the value of the debates the value of the debates is it gives the populace which doesn't have this opportunity a, f- a chance to see these guys face to face, authentically. No, it doesn't. And I, I think it does because Trump and other people they don't do anything during it. They never ask the answer the question. They just berate the other person and go Tom, off. And, and they got, I'm just, that's what I mean. Because you get but people to want them. You get to you get, to, get to watch one guy berate the other guy. That's cool. No, you get to, you get to watch yes. these people act <laughs> as they it. as they will act. As their character, yeah, and, 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 and Trump looked like in all Republican debates, nobody else got a chance to talk. Nobody had a chance to re- refute the guy. He stood in the middle. Every time I told him to shut up, he wouldn't, and they couldn't stop. They didn't turn off his mic. You, you call that a debate? I, I, I'm just, I'm saying, you got a, you got a good look at an authentic guy. You got a good look at an authentic and buffoon, and a lot of people like it, authentic buffoons. A what lot kind of, of people, a lot of people said, "I want." We, we've talked about this in, in, ad nauseum. A lot of people said. I want a bomb-throwing lunatic because the system okay, has and, failed. And those people the are, system has to change. When you have this these guy can rebel, change it. These people are out of the... You know, Lou, the, 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 the job is too important. It, uh, Tom, you're not going to get any arguments from me. And, and, and the job is crucial. And yet we elect a guy I, who I, is so I, I, out I of it, it that his Secretary of Defense disappears for like a week and he doesn't even notice. You know what? The the, the 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 rights have no idea how much the guy was out of touch. 
But, but everybody's on this one. I've, I must have got ten letters I, yesterday. I know, I know. I mean, everybody was out of touch. The, 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 the guy, okay, the guy, he didn't have a cell phone? Everybody's got I know one. How, I know how much he was out of touch. How? He didn't, he didn't advise anybody that he was in the hospital. He transferred the, the entire responsibility for his office to his number two, who was on vacation in Puerto Rico and was too stupid to, to ask why am I? Why am I being given this responsibility, and what's going on? He went in for what? A three-hour procedure, and he got an infection. Correct. Yes. Put him in intensive care for almost a week. Yeah. But I mean, this is one of those things. Nobody knows the truth, and but everybody on either side thinks they do. Well, here's here's what here's what we know. We know that none of the people that under underneath him knew where he was or knew how to get a hold of him. None of them. Right. So you're saying they had no. They had no protocol. They had no. You're saying no, nobody in his them. room. If the his cell phone would have rang, United, it just would have just would have rang, and nobody knows where he was. Uh, I'm 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 just telling you. I'm, I who knows? Well, we, I don't know either. I'm just but, saying. But everybody else seems to. <laughs> but we have we have American troops engaged in combat operations in in like two theaters. Okay, two I, theaters I get it. of operation. This guy should be talking to the president every day. Here's what's going down. Here's what's happening. I, I the fact it. is, he didn't. The people in the White House did not know where he was. I, you know, when we get back, we'll, let's take the the craziness out of this on a day to day basis. Who, who makes all the decisions? The Joint Chiefs? Who the hell does all? SP Futures oh, to up seven, NASDAQ is up sixty five. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie several- O'Donnell. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, and we'll pick Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up seven. Nancy Futures up sixty-three. I, I'm going to say the number has leaked again, uh, or still, or something. Uh, Dow Futures up two. Not that we shouldn't be going up. I mean, we were down last week. Over in Europe, we've got the uh, uh, DAX up twenty-one point one percent. The FTSE down nine point one percent. CAC around up seven point one percent. So they're mixed and uh, muted, muted. Uh, over in Asia, we got the Nikkei up again. Uh, 608 again, uh, close to 35,000 for the first time since February 1990. It's up every day here. Hang Seng up 204. It's actually a bounce there, 1.2%, 16,302. Shanghai up eight, uh, 28,86. Um, so they're they're trying to move up here a little as well. So it looks like we are bullish kind of worldwide here this morning. 
Yesterday Dow was up 170, S&P up 26, Nasdaq up 111, just not a seller anywhere. Uh, really, there isn't one. I mean, it's kind of kind of, kind of interesting. Ten-year uh, duck under four uh, percent, 3.994. That's down uh, three basis points. The Bund down three basis points, 2.18. Japan down two to, at 0. 0.60, where it's been you know pretty much forever. Uh, oil up a buck 47, 72.84. Rent up buck 45, 78.25. Natural gas down seven cents, under three dollars again, 2.96. It's kind of surprising since a, a big cold wave is flying across the country here. Uh, Arbob up four cents, uh, 2.11. We've got gold is up 10.40, 2,038, trying to stay in at least the middle of this 2,000 range. Uh, silver up 17 cents, 23.25. It's a pretty good move, up seven. That's 0.7 percent. Copper up two cents, 3.81. We have Bitcoin. Up fourteen, uh, fourteen hundred seventy bucks, forty-seven thousand two ninety-three. SEC green lights the launch of a Bitcoin ETF. I I can't even go there with how in, insane that is. Something that's worth nothing. We're not going to let people buy it in securities accounts and margin it. What could go wrong there? Like the same thing they did with tulips. What went wrong there? Just just saying. U.S. dollar uh, is is uh, down a little bit with the. Euro at 109.8, and then it's down actually a little more against the pound at 127.7. So dollars down a hair. The numbers come out at 7.30. Of course, they'll be all over them at 7.30. Uh, Greg, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Bulls win again in overtime. Morning, everyone. 6.41 here in Chicago. 34 degrees now. 39 today. Uh, possible 8 to 12 inches overnight. Now, um, you're supposed to say 18 because somebody yesterday said 16, and you got to grab... The, the blood here. you got to be bloodier than the next guy. Okay. So, possible inches. snow <laughs> overnight if it stays oh, possible cold Possible snow enough. over your head. How's that? <clears throat> right. And uh, cold in Phoenix. It's 39 right now. 60 today with uh, showers intermittent. Traffic Montrose from Montrose is 9 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 23 minutes. Ike from Wolf, 17 minutes. 95th to the interchange on the Ryan, 19 minutes. And same, 19 minutes. Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan. Bulls, Bulls win 119-124 at home. That was against the Rockets. And the big news in college football, Nick Saban retires. And I believe the two favorites to take his place right now are Dabo Sweeney and oh God. Oh uh, God. the guy at Oregon. So What's the matter with Lou? I don't know. I think I think he's down there, you know, somewhere by Mike Norville. Oh, and that's all I got, Chief. I thought Lou would be a he'd hang around there with Dabo Sweeney. Lou Dabo Sweeney saving. No, no, I'm out of the I'm out of the college coaching carousel of misconduct. <laughs> Ten million dollars for fifteen years, and then after three years, they don't like you. The alumni buys you off. What's the matter with that? Much more. It's much more. It's much more interesting looking at the pros. And and by the way, my our family friend Pete Carroll. I was sorry to see him. Removed from the Seahawks and so what is the what is the motivation there? The guy's been a great country. Just I have no idea what the motivation is. You know he he and I'm not sure I'm not sure Pete understood it either. They, you know he he fully expected to come back for at least for another year, and and I you know given given their circumstances, um, it, it may be that you know they just felt with the draft picks we have from the Russell Wilson deal. Uh, we want we want a new coach to take advantage of this because uh, you know Pete Pete isn't uh, moving us in the direction we're at. It's not going to move us as fast as we want. Or Pete's been here too long. I think everybody who doesn't win the Super Bowl should get fired. They all screwed up. They didn't well, say he was fired. They said he's taking on a different role. 
He, was, he, wanted, he would, wanted the jab, and they told him no. What do you mean? What do you mean by fired? Well, they, they're still well, going to pay they, they came to they came to him and said, "You know that job you said you were going to have for at least another year? Well, you don't have it." Yeah, that's that's how that's how it goes. I mean, and, and yeah, but he's not. Are, it, it could be as simple, Tom, as what I just said. Uh, he's been here for long enough. You know, we've got yeah, we got a Super Bowl out of it, but now we've got this new flush of talent coming in with uh, this new wave of talent coming in with uh, our draft picks that we got from, from Denver and we need a new coach to take advantage of it and and I, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if that was the if that was the mindset um, um, there was a guy I, I'm, I'm just I'm just sorry because because Pete and my father coached together I, I know him um, I still have one of my favorite NFL coaching stories is he's, he's, from the Lou, story. he's from the Lou Holtz tree isn't he he was at Minnesota uh, I think he was, but my my favorite my favorite Pete Carroll story, and I may have I think I may have said this told the story several years ago. You know, they were he was the head coach of the Jets, and they had an exhibition game, uh, I don't know where somewhere, uh, and and their the bus you know after the game's over they all get on the buses to come back to the airport and get on their charter, and uh, the charter breaks, they they've got a maintenance issue, so so Carroll looks around and he goes okay. We're all going. He looked. He said, "I saw a TGI Fridays on the way, on the way in here. Turn the buses around. We're all going to TGI Fridays." And he takes a bus with about sixty or seventy of these guys, and they all go into TGI Fridays. He, he puts his American Express card down on the counter, and he says, "Whatever they want." And they all they all eat at TGI Fridays after the game. I mean, just a just a great touch. We well, talk about whether or not when Greg doesn't the part about. There's, there's a guy at Pullman named Stan, big Polish last name, nice guy. We still talk. And he, some guy comes in and he's interviewing him. And the guy, you know, had another job and now he doesn't. So the guy goes, uh, well, I was, was, what about your last job? Well, I was, first he said he was Rift. Remember when that name was out there, Reduction in Force, right? And then he goes, well, no, we actually were downsized. So Stan looks at him and he says, buddy, you got bleep canned. Live with it. I'm not going to hold it against you. <laughs> I want to hire you. Just, just live with it. You got bleep kid. He's <laughs> guy looks at him and goes, "Yeah, I guess I did." <laughs> I mean, there, there's no, there's no short way around it. Is there? Is there really? I mean, but now the Bears, if they just had a guy that would have called the right plays, Lou, doesn't matter. They didn't have a center. Didn't have a guard. Didn't have a tackle. You know, they, they didn't have any of that stuff. Um, plus, what do you? How do you dump? Well, one of my actually one of my favorite coaches, Ron Rivera. I'd like to see him still here with the Bears all these years. I would too. I mean, they, they dumped, they, they got rid of his two best players mid-season. I mean, what, what's the guy supposed to do? It it, it it goes back to, and this, you know, we, we've talked about this. NFL head coaching, there are 32 NFL head coaching jobs, and the people that hire them are billionaires who, who have made tons of money and are generally beset by the mindset that, affects lots of people who make tons of money which is that since I made tons of money I'm probably the smartest guy in the room and so and and I want you know I have tons of money I've bought this football team I want what I want and and they look around and say I want you know I want somebody else I don't like this guy I don't like the I don't like the color of his shirts I don't like the fact that the last meeting we had he had a piece of spinach stuck, stuck to his front tooth um it, it could be anything. Lou, I was uh, uh, back when but, I was. But, but you know, you see this kind of instability. You see this kind of instability in franchises that that aren't winning, and where where your owners 
or, and, and the leadership team around them, the management team around them, don't don't have a good handle on on you know on football or football people, and and that's you know that it, it's a very it's a very selective group of hires. It's a very selective skill set, and uh, you know these guys say I spent great money for this thing, this team. I'm entitled to get a winner. This guy's not giving me a winner. And besides, I don't I don't like the way he acts. So he's out of here. Well, when I was a, a, a youth, relative youth, we used to go ski all these really nice places. So we were out in Jackson Hole one one year. You know, it's hard skiing, by the way, if anybody ever goes there. Uh, but in in the paper, Jackson Park Inkblot or Jackson Hole Inkblot, uh, somebody must have been from Chicago. And the whole back page, for whatever reason, they gave this guy license to, to write an essay. Well, an art, it was a news article, but it was a whole back page regarding Chicago sports. And this had to be in the 80s where the Bears had just started running through all the coaches and, the, you know, before 85. Uh, so, and they were running through coaches like every year and the, the Sox were and the Cubs were and the Bulls were and you name it, the Hawks were. And he was talking about how many, there were like 25 coaching changes in the last five or something. And he talked about how every time you fired a coach, in those days, the the pressure on owners regarding tweets and everything else, or X's and articles, are nothing like they are now. It's constant criticism by people who have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Every day, I don't know how I get on this, this list where I'll get 15 people from the Cubs and there'll be two people on the Cubs that shouldn't be on the team. And they'll rattle off, why do these two guys have to listen to these two morons that have never played anything in their life? Tell them how they shouldn't be on the team. And they'll go through all these different stats and others. But... The guy's bottom line was that if you fired a head coach, you get two years off. That they lay off on you until a new guy screws up, or you don't have any players for the new guy either, and then you can fire him and you get another two years. It, it's all about pressure on the ownership. And how firing somebody essentially proves you did something, that somehow the people who are clamoring for somebody's skull, you did something to appease the losers in the pit, like in a Shakespeare movie, and, uh, and you get two years before you have to do it again. It was all like psych- I thought it was fascinating. Um, there, there's something, there's something to that. Um, I, I mean, one of the, again, some insight from from being in a coaching family. I mean, my father used to just laugh at at the criticisms that got leveled at the at the club. You know, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? And and his comment was, you know, we spend we spend fifteen hours a day in the, during this during the season and and eight to ten hours a day during the off season, you know, thinking about these issues and how to do this. And do these people think that we haven't we haven't considered oh, what they're yeah. suggesting? Yeah, it's unreal. We, Supposedly we, Belichick's out, by the way. Well Belichick's out yeah, now. Five minutes ago USA Today tweeted that Belichick is supposedly out. No no surprise. Uh, that that's been that's been coming for a while. And and you know, you know the old line about it, NFL, what it stands for. You know, not for long. Yeah, and and they would. He he wrote he wrote out his idiosyncratic credit that he got for those six championships. He wrote that out, and uh, and and has now exhausted the the goodwill. So it's time it's time to put somebody else in there. I, I get it. Who? And he's he <laughs> should and he should he should understand that himself. No, I don't. I, don't. I think sure, he just sure got he confused, and he just tried to be a GM or whatever, and it didn't work. And then it was just not, not great. Well, some yeah. of these guys, some of these guys had 
Um, the Dallas, oh, way back, Dallas would have, uh, uh, they never had any really good draft picks. I mean, they, matter of fact, they, they, they lucked out by getting Roger Staubach because he had to go in the, in the Navy, and would they get him in like the third or fourth round or something? Uh, and then he came out early. Uh, but every year they would have a tryout because they, they weren't getting the same kind of personnel other people were. And every year, I think, Lou, I read the history of this, and every year, just about every year, they would get somebody who made the roster, you know, usually a special teams guy or something, and every three or four years they actually found a starter from just having this tryout that nobody else did. And they, you know, they managed to get players for that. Now, the Patriots for a while, and this is ten years ago I read this when they were winning all the time, they said those guys, if you looked at the bottom three rounds in the draft, and this, whoever did this painstakingly, and no, no, no life evidently, every single year he would say, okay, they, they, they drafted, they traded, you know, some bumble screw team, uh, their fifth round pick for two sixth round picks. Yep. And the other team, the fifth round pick was, they drafted me, <laughs> and I never made it through training camp. And the other guy picked, in the sixth round pick, they got, Two guys that one was on the practice squad and one was a was on their uh, whatever he was a special or teams guy or something something or, or at least they were in, they were able to trade them and they were still in football and then and then this, the same year they trade they trade two number fives for a number four for some other team because they just happen to have an extra number five well the other team the two number fives uh, number fives are, are they're, they're useless too and number four is like a third year starter I mean they were geniuses at the last three or four rounds. Or relative yeah. geniuses, and that—that's that, how they stayed in there without high picks. Yep. No, they were—they were—they realized, and of course, uh, that was under the old collective bargaining agreement, where your first-round picks could negotiate whatever they in, in, a, in a rookie contract could negotiate these incredibly high salaries and commanded them. And Belichick said, "No rookie that has never set foot on an NFL uh, field." is worth the amount of money we're going to pay them on a first-round contract. So first-round picks are inherently overvalued, and and unless we have a particular need or a particular desire for a, a, a kid, first-round picks for us are are overvalued, and, and you better trading them away for second, third, fourth-round picks that aren't going to be overpaid but will come in and have the, the opportunity because the talent drop-off you know, there's there's all kinds of studies on this. The talent drop-off is is not as great as people say. The retention of these picks, first-round picks and high second-round picks, is or was significant because the teams had so much money invested in them. Now it's not quite the quite well. The same I, I, I'm going to say that. Um, well, I'm walking off a plank here, but I'm going to say I, I kind of disagree with you there because every year. We, we argue about this. If you were around, you could come with my group that we meet a few nights a week and argue about all this stuff. And I, it, it depends on the year. I mean, there's this, this idea of, of people. I know you're, you're a big uh, collective bargaining guy. The idea of people there, you know, negotiating my salary when I'm a junior in college, I think that absolutely sucks. But, you know... I'm, how can those guys? I'm not even at the then, table. Then but go, then, yeah, then, you, you know, know my response. Go I know, but okay. somewhere else. I, okay, well, okay, but there is no somewhere else. That's the point. Stay, are, sure, there is. Stay in college and make money. Well, okay. I'm, I'm just saying that now there are there are people that take, for instance, and I don't worry how he's playing, but the, the center on Iowa two years ago or whatever, he, the kid, he's a junior on. Everybody knew if he was in the NFL that year, he'd be damn near an all pro. 
and he's drafted by somebody, and he's in there. Or it's, it's two guards from Notre Dame, like Zach Martin and whoever the guy is on, on Indianapolis. Those guys came out. They started first day. They've been all pros for the years they've been in there. There are people that are, that are quote, that good. And, and, sure. and, and I don't see how those people should be slotted somewhere to where you can only make this for five years. Who, who, who gets to do that? Plus, if a kid comes out and, and you're, you, he's been drafted by somebody, how the hell could he pull the wool over the guys when he can't go anywhere else? I mean, it'd be different if, if I graduate, you know, uh, Harvard, well, I was going to say Harvard, uh, someplace, someplace with a super-duper CPA degree, and, and, and uh, the three or four accounting firms that are left are bidding for me, and I get a big price. You may say it's too much, but at least I, I, mean, I get to get my name in the auction. How the hell, if, if, if the Bears draft me, how do I get an advantage against the Bears, Lou? I mean, come on! I mean, get out! Of, I can't! I can't go anywhere else. Your advantage, I, your advantage against the Bears, much like Brock Purdy. I mean, I mean, uh, who is again my favorite example right now because he's still playing. You know, Brock Purdy has Brock Purdy's leverage against the 49ers is the fact that he's kept his nose to the grindstone. He's been quiet. He's performed. He's winning a foot. He's helping him win football games, and his leverage will come in. You know, whatever it's four years. I think it's four three. I think it's three years for him. In, in you know another year, okay. But I, I'm and saying I, I don't like any of this kind of restrictive stuff. That just I, I know I know you don't. And my response to that is go play somewhere else. Well, but the, but to my point, there is no somewhere else. Sure, there is. You can Where? play in Europe. Oh, play in football Europe. in Europe. You can play in Europe. You can play this. You, new you can play what flag? Yeah. Go, go go play. I mean, I mean, go. One of our, our, we only have a couple of fundamental disagreements, and one of them is collective bargaining against the monopoly. To me, is like. Me going against uh, Cyclops, for God's sake! I mean, uh, no, this all got this all got negotiated out. These people were well represented. The, you don't blame I, don't blame the owners. Blame the players because the players asked for this. Uh, okay, I'm saying I don't. They, I demand, don't, they demanded. They demanded this. The only um, guy, the only guy who made any kind of inroads was the guy in baseball because the owners were so powerful they were stone cold stupid. <laughs> no, you're talking about Kurt Flood. Um, I'm talking about who? What was the guy who did the first? Who, who did the arbitration? I did the arbitration. Well, he, that doesn't narrow it down. Kurt no, Flood was the Kurt Flood. No, no, I'm talking Kurt about who's who the the uh, labor attorney. Oh, oh, oh! I know who you're talking about. Yes, um, yeah, because yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't the free agency that, that that brought the salaries up. It was the arbitration. Uh, well, the arbitration. The arbitration that was necessary for the free agency to work. But I'm saying, yeah. if you if you put one guy out there as a free agent, he's going to get paid more than if everybody's a free agent. So then now that becomes the beacon for everybody else in arbitration. Which the owners, I can't believe they were that dumb to do that. Anyway, Lou, we'll we'll, we'll be to be continued next week. You're going to get some snow, buddy. You going to go skiing? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really cold here. Be cold we're here going, too. Denver Denver's going below zero, uh, which is cold for us. Uh, over the weekend, so it'll it'll be yeah. Like, so are maybe, we. Maybe we, stay in and sit in front of the fire weekend. Okay, all right. Well, take care of yourself. Uh, SB you futures too. up five. Nasdaq futures up fifty-seven. Be right back. We have uh, Mr. Dan Janinas, and we have Miss Pearl Maneri as a, as a, as a guest. We're going to talk about uh, a firm that uh, Dan and I both do contract work for. A good outfit, and talk about people's money a little bit. Right. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Sorry, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening. Well, I'm Stocks and Jacks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the poor. SP futures up 650. NASDAQ uh, futures up 62. Individual stocks in the Dow. Not much moving. Microsoft's up two and a quarter. You go figure it's up again today. NVIDIA up another 575 with the hint, evidently, that they're going to uh, make that 750. They just jumped up. A uh, hint of maybe a split there, according to uh, Kenny Polkiri. Today we have a, a special guest. We have we have Dan Janinas, who's on every Thursday at this time. Welcome, Dan. And we also have Perlmanary, who's the president of Nigerian Family Office, NFO. Uh, Good morning, everyone. How are you? Hey, Pearl. <laughs> and it's how a, are you? Good. All right. I just, <laughs> how are you? Tom, Tom got me up today. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Well, you're supposed to be in the office. I don't see you. Well... I'm supposed to be in the gym right now, but right. here I am. <laughs> and uh, the reason we had that's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the reason why we have we have Pearl on is uh, we there's an awful lot of places that you know a want to manage your money. There's no doubt about that. You see, you hear you know commercials constantly, and, uh, and there's a lot of them that you know you're. I guess if, no matter what square peg you get in a round hole or whatever, but Pearl runs a, a group that is somewhat different. Um, in the sense that it's mu- it's much more individual, uh, you know they don't they don't want every person and just do the same thing. So they have individual people. The the group is selective as to the clients as well as the clients with the place. I hope, and it's it's unique in the sense that uh, they have a bunch of different managers, not a bunch, several different managers for people that have different needs in terms of investing. And uh, for instance, I, With I you and you and Dan. Yeah, for instance, well, I do the well. protected right. protected stuff, concentration issues, those kinds of things for people who uh, just don't want to be stone cold long. Dan does the fixed income stuff, uh, and we have uh, Pearl actually is, is very good. She does dividend stacks for people. People who want to make, maintain, uh, you know, some stacks that provide income, and then we have a couple other people that have uh, to do the long only portfolios, and it's a Everybody has trading experience. It's a real interesting group, and it's it's kind of an interesting concept. I just want to talk about it with Pearl. And she's, Dan and I figure she's picked some pretty good people. Uh, wouldn't you say, Dan? Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I picked Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and I picked you. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, so Pearl, how, how did you, how did this concept kind of get started? I mean, it seems like it would be easier just to jam people in, into you know into little peg holes and, and never talk to them. But obviously. You don't, and there's a lot of people who actually bring, which is very unusual. There's a lot of people bring their own st- 
stocks if they have concentration with with you into the firm. We, we're really never going to do that anywhere else, I don't think. So somebody could bring in a whole bunch of bonds, for instance, and say, Dan, what do you think of them? Manage them. Or you could bring in you know, 50,000 shares of Exxon and say, Tom, this guy wants to do some protection, doesn't want to do some protection, wants you, you handle him. Um, so, it, Pearl, it's a very interesting concept. I mean, obviously, I love it. Um, what do you I mean? How did, how did it get started? And, and how, some people seem to like it. Some, I don't know, want to be part of the decision process. What do you find when you talk to people? Well, I, a lot of these people that come in with especially concentrated positions, they, you know, they've had this stock a long, long time or their legacy stock, meaning they were passed down from generation to generation. And um, they just right now sit there. So like if somebody with 30,000 shares of Apple does never wants to sell it. Um, it just sits there and it's not doing anything for them besides uh, collecting the dividends. So we we. Do what we do is something sort of on top and try to collect a little bit of premium for them. So not only do these people collect their dividend, they'll collect uh, cash. So whatever they need, if they need cash, then this is something where they could draw from. Granted, it is short-term capital gain, but um, they they have that that cash concept that they they didn't have before and I think that picking up the most experienced people in whatever whether it's a concentrated position whether it's a protected position or or bonds picking up the most experienced people to do those kind of concentrated um um um, stocks or munis or, or whatnot is was was probably a, a good something that that a lot of other companies didn't have because you go into a Merrill Lynch or Schwab or something they they say okay we got these five funds and that's all you get. Well, it's much more difficult for you as as a president and depending how we have asked, <laughs> asked to do it, if somebody drops in a concentrated position. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of implications. I mean, you're you're going to be talking to that person because I, I hear you do it. Um, it could yep. be once a month. Could be once every couple of weeks. Especially around tax time. Especially, I mean, it, it, there could be tax issues. There could be, uh, you know, Correct. if somebody does even wants to do a like a covered writing program, for instance. Some do, some don't. You have to be very careful. What's your basis? None of these other firms want to put up with that. No, nobody wants to do that. I mean, it, it's a very unique spot that you. It's it's like well, Dan talks every week about how he has to know the companies he's dealing with, and and, and obviously Correct. you have to know your clients, what, what you're dealing with, and then uh, and it's exactly. I mean, it, it, I would say let Dan talk for Dan. It's much more complex what you do rather than just I'll say Fisher Investments. Give me two hundred grand. I'm just going here, and I'll never I'll see you in a year. I mean, we don't you don't get to do that, bro. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. no, no. Um, that's one of the reasons why you know we we select our clients. Um, well, we have to. I mean, we can't. We can't take everybody on board. We do have a high minimum compared to other uh, advisors, and um, you know, it's they sort of need to. You know, when 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 we we do initial interviews, we got to make sure they fit within within our wheel hole, or um, it's not going to work out. You know, because 
the last thing you want is somebody to come in and then leave because it's not what they it's not what they thought so it's there is a slightly intensive uh, interview process where we sort of want to make sure it's a good fit for everyone we'll talk about a little bit about three four years ago there really was like no need for any kind of fixed income and all of a sudden there is and thankfully Dan, Dan was there because we didn't really yeah. have anybody that that's that's mm-hmm. you know, that I would never say that that's my my spot for sure, but now all of a sudden a lot of people were were apportioning some funds to Dan and I don't see that going away to you. I mean, there's going to be some fixed income people around. Yeah, I mean, I I think now that we're get we've been getting yield, you know, since March of 2020, almost two years ago, um, we've seen the Fed increase rates, and now we're at a point where you know bonds make a lot more sense. Um, you know, the chance of rates coming down in 2020. Four is pretty. Um, it, we're going to see rates coming down at some point in 2024. Maybe not as much as some of the uh, of the, the 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 talking heads out there are saying. But but when you know rates are coming down, that's good for bonds and that's good for equities. And back to the point that Pearl made about having people who are in those areas of expertise manage the money. That makes a lot of sense as well. That opens the door to a wider variety of investments and certainly a much wider variety than a client would have if they were at a Merrill or or a Fisher where they have a limited number of stocks on their on their buy list and they don't have that level of diversification I think the other thing that we provide as a team is a strong sense of, of capital preservation and you know capital preservation is very important and the strategies that we manage have a have an emphasis on that whereas a lot of the strategies that are managed by some other firms really are just buying these you know a certain number of stocks they're not looking at the full, the whole picture they're not looking at the economy they're not looking at how everything works together and there's not they're certainly not um, broken up by areas of expertise so I think the advantage of having capital preservation as one of the financial objectives across the board is is very important well i think that if we have a a client um that has fortunately came in last year with ten thousand nvidia uh and he's up you know whatever it's 300 and some bucks we're probably going to at least outline some things somebody can do to try and keep that money should it go back the other way and i'm not i'm not saying it's going to go back i don't think the other people in the world could care less right why would they agreed and, it, and some of those conversations are interesting, aren't they, Pearl? Because you end up... Oh, yeah. It, you end up trying to... <laughs> I, mean, you're, you're, I mean, it's so counterintuitive. You're actually asking somebody to really sell the winners and maybe double up on the losers. And, and, and it's it's a tough conversation. But, but in reality, you, 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 you have, if you're going to be diversified at all, the winners become too big in your portfolio over time, which is a good thing. But to try and say... Hey, you know, you got these three stocks that are up. Maybe we should sell those and buy more of the ones that are down. People look at it like you, have, like you got eight heads, right, Pearl? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But that—that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, that one thing that we try to diversify them, but you're gonna find that people that have owned the stock for a long time, and you know this, Tom. That, oh yeah. Um, there's this this stigma that where people fall in love with their stock and. Um, you know, but you want to help them at the same rate. But you know, we could do that with options. But you know, 
it, it it's it's a little bit more difficult and I'm sure the bigger firms this is something in not in the wheelhouse or they don't have enough expertise for it because as you know we don't we don't hire um, newer people we everybody that's on our team has years and years of experience I myself have been in the business since 1988. I just uh, aged myself there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we were on the Pearl, Coast. You were on the Pearl. You've aged me. you've aged me as well since I started in '86. <laughs> Dan, Dan, oh she, Dan, she was on the Pecos. Does the Pecos count? I don't know. It's such a small little place. Does that count as being on the trading floor, Pearl? Uh, come on, we had five. We had five hundred on the options floor. We had five hundred uh, market makers. That was a nice little place. About f- five of them were women. Yeah, just picture that. Were, were you one of the first? <laughs> uh, were you, you were a market maker. I mean, there were a lot of uh, women uh, brokers on the floor of the CBA. There weren't that many market makers. There were a few, but uh, when I first started, there weren't very many. A lot of brokers. There were. were there were. There were a handful of brokers. The market makers were very few because, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it, it appealed to a lot of women to sit in a, a large pit with 30 guys spitting in their face, but no. it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a, the, the, girls, the girls that did it, boy, they, they, they were tough women and, and really nice oh, yeah. people. I mean, uh, you had to. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many times I was elbowed in the face because I'm short. You know, I'm only five foot three. So, You're um, just the right height for somebody's elbow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember, the, you know, Audrey would, uh, she was a broker, and, and there'd always be guys there, and, and she would always be yelling at him, get, get away from me. <laughs> what did you have for lunch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the, the Pico, the, now, did, do you know anybody who traded on, I've, I've never done this. Uh, I don't know, maybe Dan, you, mm-hmm. you know anybody who traded on the on the stock side? They traded like on the P or the Midwest Stock Exchange? or I mean, what, what yeah, was that yeah, like? because we had, we had a stock exchange on the other side. They actually, they actually had the nicer, um, the nicer floor because they were in an uh, old historic building. It was huge. It sort of reminded me of um, the CBOE. Okay. Because uh, it was the, that huge, you know, cavernous-looking space where we had like um, basically a floor. Yeah. Um, for on the option side, and the option size was well because. Obviously, the option size was a lot bigger as well, so we just needed a bigger floor than than the space that the stock traders had. We're talking about a, a regional exchange, which I don't even know. <laughs> most of the people even know what that is now. But there were there was the New York Stock Exchange; it was the main place, and then there was the Pacific, there was the uh, Midwest, the Philadelphia. Boston had Boston, Boston. had the stock exchange. Yep. But, Boston had yeah. And, but they they didn't really actually a couple times in New York. Uh, went down for like weather and the, the regional exchanges were actually able to, to do a pretty good job for the day yes. yeah I mean we were electronic too I mean we had computers and there was we weren't a, like um, I mean yeah I mean there was a time where I had to calculate everything on a piece of paper but um, we, we had uh, we had systems <laughs> well, when, I, when I started they wouldn't allow they wouldn't allow computers on the floor not that there was much in the way of computers. Oh, boy. And, and they get, get a load of this. You couldn't have CNBC on in the pit for fear that you got an advantage because you were watching TV. How could watching TV give you an advantage? But you couldn't even have yeah. that. I mean, how scary was that? Mm-hmm. But for, for yeah. if you, uh, 
for anybody who trades a lot, I'll take one minute here because we have more stuff to talk about with uh, what Pearl's doing. But um, the regional exchanges, you could not, if, if if you send in to PTI, IB, whatever it is, uh, if you want to buy a, a hundred shares of, or, or say a thousand shares of uh, IBM, and you want to sell IBM's trade in, uh, uh, what the hell is it, one sixty-one? If you want to buy a thousand shares of IBM and you want to sell the sixty-five calls against it, well, a real firm, somebody knows what they're doing, is going to send that in as a one a one ticket. It's, you're not going to buy the stock then turn around and try and sell the the uh, the yeah. option because that's that's suicide because you're doing. You're, it's called legging a spread. And nobody really, yeah. nobody, nobody smart wants to do that. Well, if you if you take the, the order down to the CBOE or the PCOS, wherever floor the options floor, you're going to get filled by a market maker. Okay, but now you have to you have to put the stock up someplace. Well, the, yeah. New, the New York would not allow you to cross the stock there. So you know, everybody had their person on the Midwest where you would cross the stock in the Midwest, and there'd be a big X after it that would say was a cross, right? But was it an X? You know, it was a cross. Yeah, we- we would we would cross it too on the somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah, the, we would have to we had we actually had stock her people in our pits that would we you know, we could yell over and they would cross the stock for us. Was pretty it, quickly, by the yeah. way, but not quickly as, as it is now, obviously. Well, no. but, but in those days wasn't the the C B O A floor was the single biggest customer in the New York Stock Exchange, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because whenever we would, go ahead, we would if Pearl's in, a, in the crowd and somebody comes in and buys 100 lot options from her and they're 50 delta, the first thing Pearl's going to do is buy 5,000 shares of stock, right? Right. So you're going to go to wherever you can you can get it. Usually, the new, well, in those days, it was the New York. And you would yeah. go there and you would buy the stock. Cause, so you, because you're not, you're a, you're, a, you're a trader. You're not a, you're not, you're not willing to take the other side of like Merrill Lynch's opinion, right? I mean, it's not it's not what you do. Oh right? yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't leave it. Oh, well, sometimes I would leave it open because, you know, we could, um, and you know, maybe I would. I want a leg in the stock, depending on, you know, what my positions are already, or maybe I already had the stock because that could that could happen too. Then it would be my inventory. So how does how do these kind of skills that you got on the floor like that? Um, how do they, how do they help your clients? I think they help them a lot, but how do you think they help them? Um, it, it gave me a, a lot of expertise on how to actually handle stock and how to hedge it to where. I mean, the one of the things that you wanted to do as a um, market maker was to be delta neutral and to be protected in case of large movements in in the underlier. And I think. Um, so we're doing it the other way. They, they come in with the stock, and you want to sort of protect that stock, as you know, as you know, um, in a way where you're sort of delta neutral or have at least a minimized loss, which you could do with options. So starting on the options floor, I think that really helped the understanding of that. Options is not an easy thing to learn. Um, so being on the floor gave me that expertise and and granted I don't think they teach any of this anywhere right no so being on the floor is is like the the best I think um school of a school of hedging or or options where you you could get that anywhere I, I don't know of any other place where you could learn that expertise 
um, you can't go to the school of options and, and learn that kind of thing. I, I totally agree with you, Pearl, that, you know, as a portfolio manager on the buy side, mm-hmm. when I started at Luma Sales, we all did our own trading. I would go yeah. to the trading floors to meet the, the traders themselves on Wall Street and develop a relationship, which was invaluable in terms of getting good execution and and really under getting to understand the whole process. And I think understanding when you're actually trading, you see the flow of funds, you see the market itself, you're involved in that market day to day. And that is taken away if you're simply just, you know, buying something online. You don't understand as the mentor that I had in my business called the drumbeat that's going on in the back background. Yeah. Dan, what was the, uh, well, I never asked anybody this question before, and I'm, I'm fascinated by yeah, all, all Pearl, well, I'm going to think all Pearl and I did in the New York Stock Exchange and other places was buy and sell stock. Yet they traded a boatload of bonds too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, now, when you wanna, if, if you went to see the, the, was it the same specialist, the IBM specialist traded the IBM bonds, or was it a different guy or his assistant? I mean, how did, how did that work? I, I don't have no idea. It was generally a different floor, and because we did a lot of high yield, we had dedicated salespeople and dedicated traders um, that actually traded high yield. So you would have a high yield trader, you'd have an investment grade trader, you'd have a, a govy trader, a government trader, a government bond trader, you'd have a mortgage trader. So so in municipal bonds is, again, a totally different market. So, so those were all um, separate traders that had that expertise and they would see the flow of those particular instruments or those particular sectors of the bond market, if you will, um, and they would become the experts in those areas, just as they would, as uh, equity traders would become experts on the floor in particular stocks. Well, didn't some, yep. didn't some uh, highly traded like IBM bonds tra- trade right with the stock, or am I wrong on that? Some, some are actually on the exchange. So some bonds, there's a list of bonds on the New York Stock Exchange, but it's only a small list. Okay, so it's small amount to the total inventory outstanding. What and what, what? Why is one there and one some other place? Just just happens. It just happens. Uh, some of it has to do with size of of the company. So you know, generally the the names like the Dow names would have been would have been traded. Uh, um, and the other thing that's interesting with bonds is because you have particular issues, some issues could be on the exchange and others wouldn't be. So if you're if you're purchasing a bond, there's a list. That we, I mean, I always remember looking through the list on the New York stock. I mean, in the um, Wall Street Journal to see what bonds traded like that and they generally had better liquidity certainly had better transparency because you could see both sides of the trade what's great about interactive brokers that we use today is that you you can see all of that instantaneously both sides of the trade you can even see the dealers that are trading those particular bonds it's a that's yeah. well pro what uh what is the the how is it i still have to be honest with everybody which i am i still have some kind of trouble one thing you learn on a, on a trading floor is you mark yourself to market every day. And sometimes, yes. you know, we'll get a client that'll bring in XYZ and he'll say, well, I got 30,000 shares XYZ and I, it's 50 bucks. And two weeks later or a month later, the person will call back and say, you know, I might want to do something and it's, it's 45. And I'll say, well, boy, you know, we're, we maybe should have done something. What do you mean? I bought it at 10. I mean, Pearl and I and Dan probably will say, when I first saw it, it's it was fifty. Now it's forty-five. I think we're down five. You still think you're up thirty-five? <laughs> there's there's definitely a different mindset there, wouldn't you say, Pearl? Between a, a trader. And oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, like I said, like people fall in love with their stock, 
rightly or wrongly, and uh, you just want to help them through that and sort of help them keep their nest egg. Um, so what percentage of and, people... Uh, you know, that's, that's, I think that a niche, a niche that we do that a lot of the big firms will not. So you have, a, you have people that just start with cash and then decide, okay, I want to be in protected, I want to be in dividend, I want to be with Dan or some combination thereof. Or we have people that actually have been long only for the last three years and have done, I think, fairly well. Uh, what, what, what percentage would you say have bring in cash and, and just pick their spots? Or some people bring in stock and then extra cash and they want to diversify with the extra. Is it just a, a total smorgasbord or, is, or we just have, we don't, really, we don't really have a whole lot. Yeah, we have people that brought in bonds too. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. what, what would you say is the last ten people? Are they are they bringing in cash or stock or just all over the board? Uh, the I would say the last ten people brought in concentrated positions because nope. they they they've had it themselves for X amount of years. They suffered to through twenty twenty two. And yeah. uh, 2023, they probably either made it back or so on, and now they are looking to protect it. Whereas before 2022, um, I don't think that mindset was there because they were making hand over fist for so many years. Well, yeah, if you bought it at the outset of COVID, you've done pretty well. Yeah. And, uh, but, I, mean, I think we, for a lot of people, you, you, you cut some of the volatility out of their account. Or instead Correct. of, which yeah. is, is is much more mindful. How, how long do you see the the uh, this year? Do you, do you see, I'll say, funds leaking over to Dan like last year? I, I do. I, I see. I see that happening. More people want to be in fixed income. Yeah, I, I know. Last year, a lot of people wanted to be in fixed income more, more or less. Um, I think as long as the interest rates uh, remain fairly high, or not go back down uh, drastically. I think there's still going to be uh, some people that want to do bonds, in my opinion. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The the I think there's a um, first of all, rates are high, especially on the short end. Right now, three month T bills are trading at five and a half percent, and that we're able to buy them there. And the other thing um, about bonds is that as rates come down, you make money. So not only on the interest, you know, on the coupon rate of, of, of interest, but also on you get capital appreciation because when rates go down, bond prices go up. So that's why I'm yeah. very bullish um, for the upcoming year or next couple of years as we start seeing rate declines. And obviously that translates into good performance on the equity side as well because most stocks perform well as interest rate our interest rates decline. So, let me ask you a question for the for the listeners. Not that the other ones weren't. Um, I, I still see from from my experience the, the interest rate situation now is still being the the, the term they would have used at Pullman was kitty wampus. It's out of balance. I mean, I I would say that going forward, I would I would see a a ten year rate four and a half or five if we're going to continue to main maintain uh, inflation at two and a half or three which looks to me like at least that and I can see the short term rates coming down it, it, to me that's a more if the short term rates were three and a half and the 10 year rate was five to me that's way more normal and healthier for an economy than what we've seen for the last forever 
first of all, do you agree that that's normal and healthy, or and, and how can we get there, or will we ever get there? Yeah, I, I, I mean, at the beginning of uh, 2023, I said that this is going to be a year of stabilization, and and you know, although we did see continued increases in, in rates, we did see prices beginning to stabilize in a number of areas, and I that all that whole backdrop is very favorable for 2024 and and and, the, and going forward. I think it's a it's a good back it's a good backdrop. I mean, it, in in a few minutes here, we're going to see the uh, CPI yep. numbers come out. And those will tell us a little bit more, give us a little more information um, as to where things are going. But you know, we've seen, we've certainly seen stability even since the beginning of this year. We've seen kind of flattening in the in the financial markets, both on the the, the fixed side and and the equity side. We've seen flattening in or even in de- you know declines in oil prices, which you know translate into gas prices. Um, one thing I was thinking about this morning is if you look at just food, food, clothing, and shelter as the three necessities for individuals. Um, consumers have not seen major increases throughout this period in apparel or clothing or those those um, areas. Rents and and um, home prices have stabilized. Um, there's very few places in the country where they're still increasing, and food prices might be the only thing that we 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 have the most sticker shock. Because we mm. all need food, and when you go to the grocery store, it just doesn't seem like we're seeing declines in prices there. But I'd say overall, prices across the board, whether they be in the financial markets or, or in, in on Main Street, are stabilizing, and that's a good backdrop um, for 2024. Pearl, how about giving us a shameless plug and a phone number? How, does, how do people meet, reach you? Oh, they call REL. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I get that part. What, what's what, 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 how does how does somebody find us? Let's put it that way. What's the number? Um, they could look at. We have a, a just a one page website where you could probably look at look at us and um, look look and see our, our backgrounds to see if it's a fit for you. So they could look at www.nigerianfamilyoffice.com. Um, and you could also uh, just Google us, and it'll take you to our one-page uh, website, and all our information is there, including our emails and and uh, phone numbers. Or to be simple, you can call me, and I'll transfer you over to uh, uh, Yeah, call Tom. Tom <laughs> that, Tom. that makes it easy. Pearl, thank you very <laughs> much. You're, you're a great guest, good stuff. Uh, we're going to go for about a half a second break here because we're going to be right back. Dan, you want to hang for like two minutes? I know sure. we'll talk, talk about the CPI right. number. We'll, nice, we'll have Janet nice Flanagan. Nice talking to you, Pearl. Pearl, take care. Thanks, so, thanks everybody. Uh, SP Futures down Bye. three. Nancy is up thir- down 13, up 13. What do you say we go to like a, a, a half a minute break here, Greg? Come right back. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tomorrow Greg Pappas on the board. 
I'm just going to give the numbers here because the rest of the stuff is still settling in from around the rest of the world. S&P futures down uh, 14 are all over the place. NASDAQ futures down 45. I've got see the seasonally adjusted number, which I don't get what that one is. It's positive 0.3 and the uh, all items and ex-food and energy positive 0.3 as well. So the, the uh, all items is, is hotter than people expected. Last month it was, uh, it was uh, 0.1. Now the unadjusted change, they've got it at... at, at at uh, minus 0.1, so I don't know, I don't know how, the, how you get to that. But the core CPI year over year is 3% versus 3% estimated. So no surprise here, but no surprise to the upside either. And I, I have a feeling the way the market was moving here. Uh, well, Dan, what do you think? The way the market was moving the last couple of days, people thought we were going to get a, a really good surprise, and it just came in kind of where people thought, maybe a little worse. You know, the mania, if you will, in November and December, um, the, you know, has come to a, a you know, not a, not a screeching halt, but it's definitely leveled off at this point. It did seem like there was, you know, there was going to be another rally. You know, the, the rally seemed like they're short-lived um, in January. Um, it just seems like we have a stabilization at this point. Um, one thing that I, I want to point out in regards to what's happening right now is the talk that we've seen and, and and this is for the listeners because i had i've had several clients ask recently you know we're hearing all this talk about you know rate cuts and what's going to happen to interest rates and all that and i still see people saying we're going to have six rate cuts in 2024 i think they've been to the they've been to the they've got a few gummies in them we're saying that yeah we just don't see that we think that the um the fed is going to be more cautious or or or, or slower to cut rates they're really going to look for the numbers that are coming out. The numbers are really giving mixed messages right now. Um, you know, certainly, um, I think we're going to learn a lot here in a few minutes with the CPI. But they are really, I do believe Powell when he says that we're we're data dependent. We're really waiting to see what happens with the numbers. I do not think that they are going to overreact or that they're they're going to react strongly or quickly in terms of cutting rates. So I think that is what's slowing the market down a bit. Because the consensus was that we were going to see three to six rate cuts in 2024, and people are realizing now that the Fed is not going to be that aggressive about cutting rates this year, and as a result, that would ha- will have an impact not only on bonds but also on equities. Because again, as I mentioned earlier, stocks lower interest rates are good for most stocks, and the market I think has gotten a little ahead of itself with. Um, that I'm also kind of getting tired of the word pivot. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Because because it's just a, it's a catch-all word or a keyword that that I just don't think we should be um, processing. I think what we really need to be doing is looking at where the numbers are coming in, also analyzing those numbers because we want to know exactly what's happening. And doing doing is what I mentioned earlier, just kind of looking around yourselves and seeing you know gas prices are coming down, food prices are still high. You know, rents and housing. None, Look at none, the of, the stu- none of this stuff. Is, none of this stuff's coming down. We have Mr. Jan, you're with us, right? We have Mr. Flanagan as well. It sounds like yes, you do, Tom. Um, hey, John. Ch- chime in whenever. Morning, I, I, you know, the, the idea. Some of the stuff you see, and this, these numbers, by the way, if if you're in the the six rate cut camp, this number today, you better get out of that camp because these. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not it's not where where we're at here. We're talking year over year, even unadjusted year over year is still three point four. But, um, you know, it's some of the stuff you're you're seeing, Dan, and I, you know, I don't know. I, John could probably opine on this more than me because I try and get from the back and forth from the 
the business numbers to the behavioral economic stuff, which is what, which is what I learned. I saw something this week that I, I, I mean, the idea that the whole Chrysler Group, Jeep and everything, which has been a massive footprint at the Chicago Auto Show, just pulled out totally this week. Interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm saying, uh, Dan, that somebody somewhere, and Jan, please opine on this, and these people, I don't think, I don't think they're idiots. I think they have people that are going, okay, what is the average, the average person of the million people or so to go to the Chicago Auto Show? And there is a boatload. What is the average income of that person? And by the way, what is the average income does it take now to buy a new Jeep? Do we really want to spend all this money for people who can't afford their car? I, 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 I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I guarantee you that analysis has been done and are saying 90% of the people who show up here are not going to go to their showrooms three weeks afterward like used to happen after a Chicago Auto Show. John, am I nuts here or, or, or what? Or, well, you know, I, I, like you, I went to the Auto Show in Chicago when I was a kid. I dragged my somewhat unwilling father to take me because <laughs> I was fascinated by this stuff and he, he didn't have much interest at all in it, but he humored me. So I think starting in 59 or so, we started going to it. And as you said a couple of days ago, it was a blue-collar affair, which is, what I think, why, why my dad was pleasantly su- surprised by it, because he was a blue-collar guy from the post office. He didn't feel like this was, you know, beyond him. He was kind of intrigued by the marketing angles and the models, you know, dancing around and sports figures there to give autographs and photo ops with Polaroid camera, all the, all the stuff that, you know, was new and fresh and different. Um, and people loved it, and a lot of the cars that were being hawked there were very affordable. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, the, the ones that weren't, you still like to go, you know, be able to sit in the driver's seat, you fiddle with the gadgets, you know, have somebody take your picture in your new '61 Buick. I have some of those pictures still around; they're, they're, they're real treasures. And you could dream about a, a nice car someday. In the meantime, you actually got to experience it, so it wasn't a, an offensive, you know trip into you know a fantasy world it was very real and and fun to do but i i gotta believe stellantis knows that isn't going to sell this year at all yeah you would think with them to pull totally out you would think maybe they drop down to the ram trucks or something but to be totally gone you know i got a piece of trivia for you gentlemen uh dan you can take off if you need to otherwise hang uh we had uh years ago i was on the economic club of chicago right and uh and then I don't know, when Jim Tyree died, I didn't really anybody to go with, so I stopped doing it. But um, anyway, the uh, they used to have a luncheon that you could go the day before, and I used to go to the uh, tuxedo thing the night before. I'll tell you guys, that was an absolute riot to see the guys still thinking the tuxedo fit, and the women still <laughs> thinking their their formal outfit fit. Let's just say there was stuff hanging all over the place. <laughs> just, just it was a show to behold. But anyway. You got to go sit. In, I met somebody from GM, and they came on the show a couple of times. And one one lady, she's VP. She was terrific. And she, I said, "What happens to those cars? Do I want one of those cars?" And she goes, "You don't want one of those cars." And I go, "Why? I think it hasn't even been run." She goes, "More asses hit the seat in that <laughs> ten days than you will do to your car in twenty years if you hang on to it. And the switches will be will be moved more times in that ten days than you'll ever move them." <laughs> you, 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 you have to, you, she goes. The thing will still run, and the brakes and everything are fine. She said, "But you got to like totally redo the interior. It's worn out." I would, ne- I would never have guessed that. 
But I guess when you think about it, kids like me were hitting every button. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, yeah. Turn the lights on and off. Everything. I thought, well, it's just was a play thing. Nothing like Jan. You may do the the worst you can. Nothing like Audrey and her pals. They check every mirror has to come down. Every light for the mirror to see if the makeup thing. They tear that thing apart way more than you ever would. Not even close. I go, what? What? You just you've just moved forty eight mirrors. The forty. Well, how do I? How can I? How do I know whether I can put my makeup? <laughs> well, how, but how many times do you think that mirror is designed to be moved? Like hundred thousand? <laughs> God, I, I bet it'll, they. Tell, it'll, it'll get more than that in a week at the other show. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I bet. I bet they really find out how good the stuff is at the end of the week if it's coming off or loosening up and everything. But hey. doesn't it seem to you, Tom, like a like a real turning point if you, if some. I, don't, I think this is unprecedented. You know, when they've had an auto show, that a major manufacturer, you know, one of the big three, um, doesn't even bother to show up. Yeah. Well, they're they're, they're, this, they're Jeep, they're Ford, they're Alfa Romeo, and they're uh, no, not Jeep. They're Jeep, Ram, uh, Dodge cars, Chrysler car, well, the Chrysler, Chrysler minivans, yeah. and and Alfa Romeo. So it's like five brands. I think they know that they're pitching something that you know is going to look pretty out of out of step with the average consumer. I guess I got to hand it to them to have the sense to know you know, maybe you'll you'll gain more by not expecting to get much of a you know a boost to your sales by coming out to the auto show. With that big off off they had a big off road track on the Jeep, you know if you've been, a, I'll bet they their footprint was the biggest one. Yes, the yeah. Before I sign off, I just I have one comment on the on the car the cars. Um, you know, think about also the cars that are. Um, from the rental car companies that are that are sold, yeah. And talking about talking about a lot of hands and a lot of uh, a lot of wear and tear. Um, but but just to, to point out about cars, and I'm, it's interesting to me that that uh, Chrysler pulled out the from the from the Chicago show because inventory is certainly up. I mean, we're hearing like every other word, Dan. You got to move a little bit. Um, years has been some issues. With that, but if you you know if you add transportation to the list of necessities, I do think that the that that is another we are seeing another positive in general in terms of transportation costs, including the cost of, of uh, new and used vehicles stabilizing or in in some cases even. Well, Dan, down. how do you how do so, you uh, when you say that? First of all, I'm 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 not at all going to argue with you that that the rate of inflation, the rate is is way less than it was three years ago. I mean, it, I, I can't. I'm not. First of all, I can't argue that with you, nor would I. But if 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 a price of a car goes from forty to a hundred, and I can't afford it, and maybe some year it comes down to ninety eight, does it really matter? I I I think the biggest issue is the supply chain and the fact that some of these cars are available now. So you have a lot of people with money ready to buy these cars, and it was taken six months to a year to get um, the car of their choice or their, the the car that they desired. Many people went elsewhere. So if if Chrysler's not there at the show, that might turn some some people off um to or maybe let lead people looking at some other other um car well, manufacturers well the, uh, we, we talked uh a little bit and then we'll let you dash in that some of the stuff that works its way through the system and that's why i think that these rates aren't going down as fast as they'd like them to i just got my gas bill two weeks ago and they're just working their way through the system but then it's it's not about you and i this morning earlier in the show we we look at the natural gas prices; they're under three bucks. Right. It's not a problem. 
Yet my bill is now ninety two. And the, yeah. the gas the gas price in the bill of the actual gas was twenty two. So the 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 inflation it's, that they it's, poured it's, through it's is a nothing. Po- it's yeah. a positive, a positive trend. You know, it's 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 definitely. And again, I don't want to sound too overly optimistic, but I do I do think all of this is is good news. But I'm saying, um, no matter what, they 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 didn't. The gas companies didn't push the inflation bubble through the state legislature on the price of gas, which they knew yes. it could come down. They did it on delivery charge and all the other stuff. Yes. It, it, natural gas could go to zero, and my be- my bill's still going to be 72. Right. Yeah, that's the same That's the same with the utilities that, that I pay as well. It's, yeah. It's, there's a, that base rate that that's that's still getting charged. But, but um, well, you guys have yeah, a... Take uh, care, but we'll talk at you next week. Weekends. It was fun with Pearl. Uh, we'll have to bring her yeah. back. Um, take care of yourself. SP Futures up down 6, NASDAQ Futures down 11. So, Jan, what... These inflation numbers, uh, they're not crazed to the upside, but anybody who thought they were going to come in at like 0.1 uh, is disappointed. And I, one of these days, somebody's going to explain to me, explain to me, Lucy, how the hell is an there's unadjusted versus the seasonally adjusted? I don't, where, I don't, I don't get this. We got somebody out there looking at. Uh, here, here's here's one uh, where, where we have a uh, just an example. Fresh biscuits, rolls, and muffins. Muffin. Um, the unadjusted is minus 0.2%. The adjusted is minus 1.4%. Now, it's only a small piece of the basket, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Jan, you know, the stupidest stuff intrigues me. I am so intrigued by, we have five people out there like Greg Pappas and, 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 uh, and Judy Pappas basically bust their fanny for a month and, f- and check out every fresh biscuit roll muffin all over the country, and they come in and say, looks to me like you're down 2% from last month. Who the hell says, ah, nah, it's, it's minus 1.4? I, I don't, I'm just curious, how does that even happen? Well, look at the verbiage, Tom. I mean, you you got to believe there's a, there's a strategy afoot here. Quoting, in December, the consumer price index for all urban consumers increased 0.3% seasonally adjusted yeah and rose 3.4 percent over the last 12 months not seasonally adjusted well at the end of a year at the end of a year you don't need a seasonal adjustment right well how could you how can you how can you seasonally adjust a year but you know the the thing that gets my attention is that whatever doesn't have to be spelled out or you know could be you know parsed a different way it makes it look like these numbers are tweaked to tell a particular kind of story. And I think that's the only reason to make a distinction is because it isn't like you, you wouldn't have different data if you did it differently, but that doesn't seem to be important enough to, you know... But, some, but the weird part, some, some are up and some are down, John. I mean, it's... it's yeah, well, that's, but this, what, what, I, what, I, what I mean is that this implies, and I, you know, it's pretty hard, I think, to, to say... It, it probably implies something much worse than what I'm suggesting it does. But there's there is some attempt to tip the scales or put your thumb on the scales, um, and because it's an election year, and because these numbers, you know, for the next you know eleven months now are going to be looked at in you know all of the you know campaign blather that will be inundated with. So that it, and the same thing with you know the number of rate cuts we're going to have, or if we have rate cuts, is is, is in an election year. I don't trust any of the methodology or any of the reasoning behind it other than to steer it in some kind of political 
you know. But Dan, but if you look at the detail, they, they, it's not just the you know. I, I would I would agree. That's why that's why I'm I'm so uh, intrigued. I'll use that as a term. Um, you know, and Greg knows more because he grew up in the restaurant industry. He knows more about this than I do. But the I don't if if the number if the main number was you know minus or, or positive point three, and all of a sudden you see the adjusted number as as point one, you'd say okay somebody's kind of cooking it. But if if you go all the way through this stuff, I'm I'm, I'm intrigued by the, each individual line. Like here's here's uh, uncooked beef steaks. Okay, which means steaks you bought, you haven't cooked yet, right? They got them up 1.4% on the unadjusted, and somebody adjusted them up to 2.4%. So that that's adjusted up, not down. It's, it, it's going both ways. I'm saying, who's the adjuster when it's somebody's job to go out and get the number in the first place? Eh. Well, that, that, that's the real party in interest here. So this, whoever is doing that... Um, has total control over this data, and of course, it just makes me think that all of the data is suspect. Tom. Well, I, not just the, I, the, yeah, I mean, but I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out whose desk it is. I mean, all of a sudden, John Flanagan runs in, and I go, "Mr. Flanagan, you're in charge of uh, uncooked beefsteaks." Yes, I am. How many places did you sample? I sampled. I had 50 random number places in 50 states, so I so I I I I, I, uh, I sampled 2,500 places, and I came up with this number. The steak is up 1.4% countrywide. Well, thank you, Mr. Flanagan. Make that number 2.4. I mean, <laughs> how, would, how would I even do that, up or down, if, if you actually did no, what you're supposed it, to do? This isn't like what an accountant would do in the business, you know, to get a trial balance at some point in the year to figure out what's coming in and what's going out. This is something that clearly is being manipulated. And, and why it's being manipulated or how is, is you know, a, a task too big for any of us to figure out. But but the only way it could be duplicated is if you had the, you know, this totally arcane system of data being handed around from desk to desk, and people seem to be told, we've got to make this total number look a certain way, and to do that, manipulate the interior data any old way you can, no matter how, how ridiculous it looks. So I, I'm just convinced that, that there's, a, there's no way you could duplicate this with a different set of, you know, people crunching the data or assembling the data or trying to make sense out of what they've actually done themselves. It, it wouldn't be something you could do again. Well, I think there's already been... I think, I think the, the, the crookedness, for, how's that for... The uh, numbers you want to question, how's that? Instead of the crookedness, is that nicer on a, on a Thursday yeah, morning? Well, I'll, I'll call it crookedness. <laughs> uh, I, I think the... the I'm, I'm going to... I'll lob this one out there because I don't know. I'm going to say, in my... The, the crookedness over a long period of time is in the is in the percentage of the basket the stuff is. And I'm going to say like medical care services is is 6.4 percent of the basket when it's 21 percent or 20 percent of the economy. I think if you take the medical care services and go back to the year 2000 and make that number 10 or 12 or 15 where it ought to be, I'm going to say that we have had a one to two percent higher inflation every year, and we've had an economy that's never grown in 22 yeah. years. And uh, so that. But I, I, you know, if, if, one thing: if you look at these tables, you see stuff like that that's so patently crazy that you sit there and go, "Come on, I mean, who's kidding who?" But the other thing is, uh, well, owners' equivalent rent they have twenty four percent. You know, I, I think it's more than that for most people. But uh, and it, actually, rent of primary residence they have a seven point seven. So that's that's sort of weird. But uh, anyway, what I'm saying is. It, the, Two things hit you. One is some of these numbers that obviously look like they're wrong. 
But also, if you dig down into like table 15, God, Jen, the, the, the depth of detail is something, I don't know how many people work on this. There's, there's 10 different kinds of rice. There's 15 different kinds of apples. I mean, it's hard to, to screw with those individual numbers at that level of detail. I but, mean, it, but it's easy, It's easy, Tom, to give you know, that kind of veneer to the whole thing if you really have every intention of twisting the data to come out the way you want it to, because there's no better way to do that than to fine-tune it endlessly. I really don't, I can't believe that any of those numbers could be backed out so that we, we could see where the raw data came from and how extensive it was, or if it wasn't just plugged in at the end because they had some kind of gap they needed to fill or something they needed to balance something else they had pulled off, and here's a way to do it. I, I just can't believe that there's anybody who's looking at this in the bigger picture saying, does, it, does any of this make sense? Is well, I, don't, I think for most people, um, if, if you if you impute the, the insurance you're paying, even if your employer pays it, it's, it's money you're, less money you're making. If you look at your total cost of health care, it's got to be way more than your total cost of energy. I don't even think it's of course, close. Of course. I mean, I'm going to say that uh, if you have a, you know, 60, 80 dollar, 100 hour electric bill, 150 dollar gas bill, and 300 hours in gas for the month. What, what am I up to? 500, 600? Well, your, the insurance bill for your family has got to be 1500, 2000 easy for, for, for good health insurance. I mean, we're not even on the same page. Well, so I mean, I, think, I have to analogize it to, to sports betting. I, you know, there's so much riding on, on how these numbers can be boiled down to the average, you know, factoid in a news program or presidential debate or something. Um, there's so much riding on how that plays out that I can't believe that the system is pure or unadulterated to get to those numbers any more than in, in a sporting event. I can't believe that the amount of money bet on the event hasn't contaminated the final score or, or a call, you know, by a referee or anything else. There's too much riding on it for it to be honest. Yeah, I, I just, I guess my, my intrigue is at what level, someplace somewhere where a guy goes, I don't care if insurance is 5000 a month, it's only 6%. Um, that, that I can get because it's a big enough number. But I, here we, here's one here. Uh, spices, seasoning, condiments, and sauces. Salt and other seasoning and spices. Olives, pickles, and relishes. Sauces and gravy. Then there's other condiments. What do you suppose is in the other count? Ketchup? So, uh, yeah, chili sauce, tartar sauce, stuff like that. But I mean, th- it's, it's not like there's it's not like there's no detail here. But I don't, no, I don't, but, but the de- the detail is, is really just a smoke screen. It could very well be. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, the, the biggest one that I always pop out on is, is the hospital part. I mean, it's grown to be yeah, su- I, such a huge amount that I it, it, it's it's you know to a lot of extent it's is eviscerating the country. You right, know, and it, if you get that number wrong, how bright could any of these numbers be? Well, you know, I wonder, uh, Janet, and there's no way I have the capability uh, to do something like this. But what, what I'm what I'm seeing after the COVID, where people couldn't get in to see doctors and stuff, I was in I was in that boat for a while. Uh, which you know, for a non-life threatening thing, it became life threatening. Let's put it that way. I'll tell the story someday. But uh, now I, I I see people here in in you know in my building and other places. A lot of these new policies, a lot of them from Blue Cross, the the, the person has to pay 30, 40, 50% of the hospital bill after the, you know, after a deductible. Um, I don't see, in the last three months when I've heard about that, every person that told me that their 
their insurance is like that has has put something off because they can't afford it. They, they they can't go for an MRI for six grand at Northwestern or someplace when they're three hundred bucks other places or four hundred bucks. They can't go there and, and get a bill for three thousand. They don't have the three thousand. And I think people are putting stuff off. And uh, remember when we had uh, Karen Reeves on, uh, yep. Yep. and she was talking about her mother-in-law. Uh, I, I don't know. I never knew what happened to the to the husband. I don't, I don't know if she's a widow or what. But she, as she adopted the blind kid. I mean, she's one of the nicest people I've ever met. Uh, but her, said her her uh, mother-in-law couldn't get into the hospital, or maybe didn't really want to go, and, and sort of couldn't get in when she felt uh, a lump. By the time she got in there, she had stage four breast cancer and died. I don't even think it was treatable. And uh, I mean, all that stuff went on during COVID. I'm, I'm thinking some of these new policies might be doing the same. I mean, there might be reasons, if you look at them close, why the death rate seems to be accelerating that Carl's always talking about. And it might not just be the vaccines. I mean, hopefully it's not. Uh, it might not be that at all. It might be people are putting off uh, treatment. Any kind of preventative care. Yeah. Or annual physical or anything else you, you could do during the lockdowns. So, oh, certainly. I mean, and, and what that's taken a toll on in life expectancy generally, I don't know if anybody has tried to get those numbers aligned, but I, it, I, it wouldn't be just bad results from vaccines. It would be a, a whole host of other things, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you know what we're trying to accomplish here, and I, I don't. it seems like, you know, we have an industry, and yet, what do you suppose the total amount of money is? I mean, every, I, I didn't really realize how many diseases there were in this world, but all you do is watch a football game or something, and all the drugs that are being, that are being, uh, what do you think these people's drug, their advertising budget is? I mean, oh I, I, mean I, I, I know, I know the, uh, I know because I heard that when, uh, was it Viagra and what was the other one? Uh, Levitra? Levitra. What was, what was the, the Weekender? What's the other one? The one Cialis? Where, Cialis. That was the other one that was on TV, right? When they, when yeah. they, both, went, they both went off uh, uh, patent, that both CNBC, I think NFL, NFL took a 25 or $40 million hit. Yeah. And I, I, CNBC had to be... Same way to all the people are watching CNBC, uh, but they they took it had to be like you know one an hour, and uh, you know well, I. What I found interesting, Tom, I don't know if you've seen this, but I I forget if Zetna or one of the major health insurers has now inserted starting you know January one in their coverages, uh, denial of coverage in the event of injury from a terrorist event. They, they didn't have this kind of exclusion in the past that I'm aware of. I think a couple com- you know, companies have inserted this now as a general, you know, carve out in their coverage. So I guess that means if I'm on the, you know, the Lawrence bus someday and somebody heaves a, you know, terrorist bomb through the window and I get my foot blasted off or something, I'm not going to get any coverage in my health plan. So yeah, but, but don't, okay, you can see what's going to happen. This will then become. A very, you know, vigorous debate about well, was that a terrorist attack? Oh, without a doubt. Behind it, we, well, you know, no, they're, they're so just they're just not going to pay. It's up to you to right, sue to get right. paid. By the way, are, it, are, are, it, are also, it also tells me that this somebody is expecting, not just suspecting, but expecting a real increase in claims for injuries stemming from terrorist attacks in calendar year twenty twenty four. And I'm waiting for you know the the, the 
bombs to be going off. Do, do, is, is there some sort of a uh, uh, an issue against uh, grumpy old Irish teachers and lawyers <laughs> that they'd be, they'd be winging bombs at you? <laughs> they never die. They just get grumpier. They just get <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Good Lord. SP Futures down 12. NASDAQ Futures down 38. Uh, Jan, by the way, were you there last night? I didn't see you. No, I wasn't there. I was, I was snug in my bed by about 8.30 left. We had a nice little group. Uh, although the uh, the judges, I think, are since some of them moved, moved north, they actually had a, they went to a different bar way up north. And I'm like, we're not going up there. We're, you know. Uh-oh. So there might be a, a split in the judge group. So. Well, depending how far north it is, it might, might be walkable for me. Huh? No, they were up at, uh, what's the place on, on uh, the place the Tater Tats? That was the name of the giant. Up on uh, the hamburger place right near Loyola. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's still a stretch for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a stretch. Little Bad Wolf? No, it's the one that's, they've been there forever. It's, you should know him. He's a Greek dude. Uh, they, they, the hamburger place with the uh, the uh, taters, tater tats. Uh, Myers. Myers Tavern. It's been yeah. there for a zillion years. Oh, that's in Walmart. Yeah, it's in Walmart. It's, right, it's like I say, what, two blocks from Loyola or something? No, it's yeah. Or uh, the high school. Yeah. 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 Well, SP Futures down 12, NASDAQ Futures down 20. John, have a nice weekend and try and stay warm. Uh, you too, Tom. Uh, you back too, Greg. T- back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.